Hi and welcome to Farah Karamuri Show. This show is all about busy mums juggling life and work. We talk about how they deal with relationships, parenting, self-care, planning and how do they deal with their careers. So join me every Sunday where I bring an insight to a mum who is spinning all the place. This doesn't happen so often, so I'm so excited to introduce my guest this week. I already feel that I know her because I've read her book, Resilient Learn, and I can't wait to dive into some of the things that she speaks about in her book, which are, quite frankly, quite scary, but at the same time, amazing and inspiring to hear. Let's dive right in and see what Manika has to say about her life adventure. Manika, welcome to my show. It's been a while I've been trying to get you to our show, but you made it today all the way from Edgware. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Tell us what you do. Tell the ladies what you do. So I'm a Transform with Resilience Coach, Mm -hmm. and I'm an author and a speaker. That's what I do. So how did you get into this? So I'm a dentist by profession. Okay. A few years back, I um, decided to change course mm-hmm. and uh, start, I think, be, become a change maker when I started telling some of my stories. Okay. People said, oh, it's an inspiration. It really touched our heart. Yeah. And it gives us hope. And that's what made me think about it. Would I want to then do that? Yeah. And I think slowly and but surely I changed course and then that's what I do now. It's not very uh, um, common to leave a skill like dentistry and to move into a self-development route that you've taken. How did that journey, what was the moment when you decided to actually do that? So obviously people think about these things for a while because there's a lot to give up, I take it, yeah? So what was the moment for you that you decided actually I'm going to leave my six-figure business behind and I'm going to join something where I'm not sure how much money I'm going to make or might not make any? Okay, so um, yes, I was perceived very successful, mm-hmm. and I guess in a sense I was successful mm-hmm. in financial terms, professional terms, mm-hmm. I was successful, but in real terms, I wasn't happy. When you say uh, real terms, explain that. So behind the scenes, okay, um, my relationship was failing, okay, and I wasn't happy. I was having lots of health issues. I was okay. visiting the doctor ever than ever before, and. Um, I was diagnosed with a stress-related illness and uh, had burnout. Um, I wasn't happy, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, everything. And is this all while you were actually running your business of dentistry? Okay. And why do you think you got to that stage? A few things. Mm -hmm. I think underneath it all, it's I'm not good enough was one cause. And secondly, I think um, I failed to have that fallback mechanism Mm -hmm. and um, I didn't uh, create um, or I wasn't the best one to go reach for advice or help. Or help, okay. So you kept kept taking it on, taking it on. And I always speak about are you wearing a mask because Mm -hmm. um, for me I had this smile. I was always seen with the biggest smile. I was the life of the party and I was living it up. It's almost like an Instagram lifestyle. Okay. Holidays, the car, the house, the relationship. But behind the scenes, yeah. So, but behind the scenes, it also stopped people recognizing there's a problem. Mm. And it so you put a mask on. Yes. So you can continue to turn up to work. 
even though you were all of those things you just said, stressed, overwhelmed, uh, going to see doctor about it quietly, but you never let that out and never show it from your face, from your mannerism, from your clothing. Okay. No, I didn't. How many years did you do that for then? Um, How many years did you wear the mask for? I think for a long time, at least 10 years probably. Wow. But I think it was intense in the la past five years, okay. six years. Um, and also the other issue was more than wearing a mask, I also then uh, over-exaggerated, I think, in a way, how happy I was, how content I was. So you literally showed people like a, almost like an acting, would yes, you say? Yes, because wow. particularly being a leader yeah. as well, and uh, becoming a trainer, leader, yeah. and as a professional, um, people come to you for guidance, mm. help, and you always think you need to be there for people. Explain the leader role. So you were a leader in your own business? business yes. Okay. What were you doing? Um, so I was the uh, practice principal, and I managed to change, uh, turn my turnover 5x, but um, I also trained dentists. I also um, I was a single mom and uh, had a long-term, long-distance relationship at one point. And it all kind of contributed to it. But I just wanted to, I guess, project in, in that way that I am, I could handle I can it do all. It. I can do all of and it, yeah. The more balls I can juggle, the better it is. Yeah. I became this person, like it's almost like being like a superhero, yeah. superhero because you just want to be like that. But I think it all stems from I'm not good enough. And some people said, even as a dentist, oh yeah, you have done very well for yourself. In a short span mm. of time, you have um, grown so much. Yeah. But I think it was more than that. So I thought I had to constantly step up. And I was a course junkie. So I went from one course to the other course to the other course. Within dentistry. Yeah. Right. Um, and um, Kept learning, kept upskilling. Yeah. Yes. So I just didn't give me space to reflect Okay. or know Breathe. about myself and what is actually going on. When I say I'm wearing a mask and I'm, I was living um, in a bubble, I wasn't aware of it. I only... You just knew that. You didn't know any different. Is no, that what it is? No. So where does this come from then? Did you grow up like that? Because this is showing a high resilience right now, right? Yes. So did you grow up in that environment? What, what, what was the story behind that? Absolutely not. So okay. As a child, yeah. I could cry on the top, you know. Pampered. I was pampered. Yeah. I was... Um, uh, I had a really loving, caring, close family, mm -hmm. particularly my grandmom I was very close to. And um, I I never felt that I had to hide behind anything. And I think I was as expressive as you can get. Mm -hmm. And then I left Sri Lanka due to the war and went to India. Mm -hmm. And I was the only person who didn't study in English up to that point. And I was the oldest kid because I was studying before and I had to discontinue and start all over again. And suddenly I felt inadequate. I felt everybody else was better than me. Um, which is strange is because I had the most amazing friends mm. around me. In Sri okay, in, in India. India. But in Sri Lanka, were you in top in top in all of your classes? Yes. And you won competitions. I, yes. This is from uh, Menaka's book, uh, Learning Resilience. Um, and there's some of the story I remember uh, when I read it. So you're always on top of the class. Suddenly you go to India and you're on the bottom and the oldest kid because you need to start again. Yes. And you need a different language here. Yes. And what, what was the reason why you couldn't learn English? There's a story behind that as well, isn't there? So... I learned English, but not the I didn't subjects. Study in English. Yes, the subjects yeah. were not in English. So there was a subject English, but yes. not every subject was in yes. it. Was that because of Sri Lanka? What was it because of the war or? 
So what happened in Sri Lanka is uh, till up to my dad uh, studying, it was in English medium. Yeah. And then the um, system changed and they made it, you, everybody studies in their own mother tongue. Which is? Uh, which is, Ta mine is Tamil. Tamil, yeah. Or, or Sinhalese. Um, so that's when it all changed. At the time when you were, okay, all right. So um, before me, but yes, unfortunately, that's why our generation yeah. uh, ca got caught up and we never studied in English as such. So then when you went to India, you what, what age were you then? I was 22 because I had already done almost three years of Graduation. graduation in and Sri Lanka. So you finished your education really in Sri Lanka. I didn't finish it, no. so I had to. You, yeah. you went to India. And then, did you know anybody in India? There's a massive move for somebody from Sri Lanka to make. I didn't know anyone except one of my closest friends. Sister got married to India. Okay. So I only knew them. Okay. Uh, I lived with them for a while. But I didn't know her that well or her husband that well before I went and stayed with them. Okay. And then I think... Uh, when I moved into the hostel, it became my family, okay. my extended family, and I was really blessed. All their parents uh, kind of t took me into their lives. Adopted you, <laughs> adopted, adopted daughter. Me. Yeah, so many adopted <laughs> families, ado adopted sisters, brothers. Yeah. Um, it, so I mean, I was really blessed, um, and I always tell that was kind of a golden era. But mm -hmm. uh, but I think, but I what I didn't realize then, mm -hmm. and now what, what I realize is, but it it was also then when I started feeling that I'm not good enough or I was inferior to others in some way. It, and the group of friends that you were in, they all obviously knew English, did they? More than you did. Okay, so you yeah. all continue to feel that you are not same as them. Yes. That's quite hard at their age, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. If you're not equal to your peers, you yeah. can really feel it. Yeah. How did you, what did you do to come out of that? Or did that stay with you for a long time? So I worked very hard. And um, I still remember in the first year, I would sit with the dictionary all the time mm -hmm. to understand what the lecturers were telling. Uh, by second, third year, I was better. Mm -hmm. And I continued to become better. And I, I didn't, never failed any exams. So I just did it well. And then I started teaching undergraduates in India, um, then got married and came here. When I came to the UK, that was another story because mm. not only the inadequacy of English was a problem, but it was more of the accent mm -hmm. because I always felt, I, can people understand me? Can I understand others? And um, so I, it just kind of stopped me totally doing any presentations. As from a kid who loved speaking, won competitions and uh, then I became this person. I would do anything to prevent me from doing a presentation. Oh my God! Because you're so fearful of your accent. Yes. So now you can speak the language, obviously, because yes. you've learned it. You worked really hard. But now this was next step. Yes. Now it's almost a step ahead because now English is in language of this country, and now you think, oh, how am I going to fit in with these people? Was it really important to fit in? Is it quite important to fit I in? I think for me it was always yeah. because I didn't realize it, but when I look back on mm -hmm. it, I think it was always my number one criteria to fit in because I think I thrive under a community environment. Yeah. Significance, so, isn't it? And yeah. we all, we all um, crave it. We want to fit in. We don't want to stick out, stand out. And that kind of explains why I changed the way I dressed up when I was in mm. India. I learned the language Hindi, which I only knew one word. Oh, so you didn't know that language either? Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. Uh, so I learned today. I'm, I'm fluent. I can. I speak to my patients here. I now speak to everyone in Hindi. So I think looking back on it, now I understand it's very important for me to fit in. Mm -hmm. And then when I came to you, I'm sure like people who know me, then I changed my way of dressing, mm -hmm. um, the way of speaking. And I think other than the accent, the other limiting thing I had was the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I always felt I didn't have the mastery of the language, mm -hmm. though I could speak and write, but I didn't have the mastery of language as a local. Yeah, yeah, and as a local, uh, exactly. And uh, particularly working as a dentist and a trainer, and you look around and you say, oh, you know, like, you're not on par. Yeah, you felt inferior at mm -hmm. times, yeah. Did you ever, did anyone ever say anything like that to make, make anyone ever make a suggestion uh, or suggestive comment that you may have got upset? Yeah, um, so I um, I wrote this article about being a highly sensitive person recently, yeah. and I wrote on it because, um, like, people will speak to me, oh, you know, like, like a normal conversation, mm. and then suddenly when they realize I came from Sri Lanka, I went to India, and I didn't study English, I'm sorry, you've done very well for yourself, isn't it? I think they meant it probably as a compliment, mm -hmm. or I, I really don't know how it was meant. But if it was me today, I would be saying, yes, I had to work doubly hard. Thank you for mm. recognizing mm. it. But at that time, it affected me. I felt mm. um, they are saying almost, you're in a, you know, in Yeah, why are they making this comment full stop? Why can't they just accept? Mm. For, yeah, 100%. So I always felt that I have to prove a point. Mm. I have to work harder. I have to be there. Yeah. So I think it kind of put additional pressure, pressure at the time. You. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were going through, so you came to England, you are in brand new house, never been here before, is that right? Yeah. You were married then? Yes, I got married and came here, yes. Okay, and, and uh, you had a child or not then? Yes, not, not before. I no, came so you, you were here as married. And then what was your first year like in here? What did you do? It was very different. Y you were already trained as a dentist by now? Yes, yes. I was, but I had to re-qualify here. Because that's what the rules are of this country. <coughs> right? okay. So I had to... Um, I decided to not to study for a while because I wanted to have a child because I was got married a bit later. So mm -hmm. then the pressure on a woman to have a child, I guess, in a way. And but I wanted to have a child in a stable environment, mm -hmm. like I wanted to have a house, mm -hmm. and whatever. So that's what I think we're used to. Mm -hmm. So I decided not to study for a while. I went to work as a receptionist and then a practice manager. And then in only after two years, I decided to do my exams. Uh, so that itself was hard mm -hmm. to um, do that, and on top of it, like even when you go on a tube, nobody smiles at you or nobody speaks, and that's was that quite shocked to you? Yeah, that's yeah. something that we are not used, used to. to. Yeah, and um, and coming from having close family, close friends, um, love, that, support yeah. everywhere, and then I suddenly came and I almost felt isolated in a way. Uh, I was married mm -hmm. and um, to a good person. But um, I think I didn't have that fallback system. A connection. My brother, yeah, my yeah. brother lived here, but he lived a few miles away, and we used to speak every day. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. I felt, and also I became this person. Then again, um, I think when I came here, I became this person who was driven mm -hmm. and who had to. I think stability mm -hmm. is what I was looking for, and I just wanted a house. I mm. wanted a stable income. I wanted a just stable, nice house to live in, and husband, wife, and mm -hmm. a child. Yeah, something very basic that is required, and you wanted that first and foremost. Yeah. yeah. What happened then? When did you fall pregnant then? Um, 
So uh, two years later, okay. I became pregnant. At the same time, I decided to do my exams. Okay. Wow, you, <coughs> you like to you like to push hard, huh? <laughs> Literally. Okay. I think it's been my theme of my life. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I remember doing my first exam when I was three months pregnant, and then I was six months when I had another exam, and um, seven and a half months pregnant when I did final. the exam. And then it was it wasn't a final exam, but a different exam. Okay. But. Um, and I still remember, like, I uh, was, like, people were like, you know, don't have the baby uh, kind of thing. I was like, you know. Uh, but what was interesting is having a child. I didn't, um, um, of course, I was happy, but it was, you know, my daughter landed up being in the neonatal unit for 10 days. My dad, at the same time, had a heart issue back home. Oh, God. So it was a difficult time, time for you, as yeah. such. And um, we overcame it. But I think it puts additional pressure hmm. on a family. Hmm. And then I decided to obviously become a dentist. My, da my daughter had to go back home for a while so that I can do my exams. Uh, and then I was, all, I was having this um, hamster wheel lifestyle. I was always rushing. I was becoming the superwoman. I wanted it all. I wanted a good career. I wanted to be a good mom. I wanted to be a good wife. And I wanted to have a lifestyle. Uh, and I think it's so, so hard. And you are so caught up in it. Mm. You lose yourself. And I think that's what happened. And unfortunately, the pressure. And uh, I went through a divorce. Oh, really? So they started then, really? Because normally divorce is, is the last... Uh, the what was the word that I'm looking for? That last nail on the last nail in the coffin. So beforehand, the, all the preparation is done towards a divorce. So the con so your relationship broke down quite early on then. Yeah, I think um, if I reflect back on it, and it's like um, having two imperfect me people making it perfect, which mm. obviously we failed to do. Mm. <coughs> and um, I think the pressure around us definitely had a contributing factor on it. Um, I don't overanalyze it now. It's done, dusted. Um, we have moved on with mm. our lives, and um, but what it also teaches me is it's all part of the story. It part of your journey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, absolutely. It's all kind of teaches you a lot and uh, helps you, and probably you are the example sometimes to other people how to be and how not to be. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So looking back, then, if you had to change something, what would you change? Take one step at a time. Okay. Don't try to achieve everything at the same time. Mm. And I think it's difficult. And I think think much more carefully even before you get into a relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I think... Because it, doesn't it require a lot of effort relationship, yeah? Does, if does. you're not willing to put the effort, don't go into it. Because no. you're only putting more stress on yourself, let alone the other person involved in it as well, yeah. And I think what is also happening is you don't understand yourself first. Mm. I had two relationships, but I don't think I ever Knew understood yourself. myself yeah. um, as much as I do now. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what are the core values of myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, um, I didn't understand myself, how I, what kind of personality I am. Mm. And I didn't what accept like me, and, and yeah. I wasn't happy with myself. And then when you go into a relationship like that, it's very hard to make it work. Mm, definitely, because you, you're coming from um, an angle where you don't love your own self, how are you going to give love to anybody else? Of so you already, that's, that's how the start was. Yeah. Okay. I think you have to be feeling you are Self-content, yeah. And yeah. You, are, you love yourself 
you so now you yourself, can, and then you can. Look now you can create something beautiful out of it because both people are in there. <laughs> it's it's hard, isn't it? But isn't, isn't, isn't this what you've just said? Really, really hard to achieve, isn't it? It is. Sometimes people have to have two or three marriages or two or three long-term relationships to get to that because people. Why is it so difficult to understand one person? Why, why is it so difficult to understand yourself? Because we are never taught to do it. Yeah. We are taught to study. We are taught to have a career. We are taught to uh, go chasing our dreams in a way might be different from everyone the way they chase it. But we are never taught to uh, reflect. We are never taught to look into ourselves. Mm. We are never taught to take time to understand ourselves. Who we are, what we want. And we are also never taught to how important it is to accept ourselves, how, how we, we are. are. We are, as we grow up, most of the families and most of the communities would like, want to shape you the way the community wants you to be. Is this, do you think, more cultural? I think it is cultural, um, but I think every culture has its own you know. Yeah, boundaries and their own um, conditions and their own yeah steps to go. T- but it's all it's it's almost like go to school, get a degree of some kind. If not, get a job yeah. and then find a partner. Yeah. Isn't it? That's pretty it much. Is. And then have children and then have a mortgage and a house and I mean whichever way around. Yeah, I'm I'm in a way I'm happy and blessed to be in that culture because mm. I think that's what made me work hard, study hard, mm. and become what I am. But. On the, other hand, on the other hand, yeah. there's are different pressures as well. So it, you know, and you think you put a lot of pressure on your own self because the pressure yes. came from yourself, didn't it? Yes. It wasn't necessarily your parents wanting you to become a certain person. Was that the case? It wasn't, but I think it is also given. My father is a doctor. My mom is a graduate. So um, you needed to come out somewhere, right? Yeah. Got you. So okay. you want to become something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, it was it was a given from day one. Yeah. You are going to stand on your two feet. You are going to go to because it was not even a question. You wouldn't go to the university. Yeah. It was in our family. You're it doing always, it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So and uh, mostly it was like it was expected. I think I'll do something along mm-hmm. with medicine. To yes, do with something, so yeah. So, then you, so you chose that, really. Yeah. So almost things were chosen for you. So the guide, uh, the path was carved for you, wasn't it? You just had to make, you just had to just walk the path, really. Yeah. And now you're deciding your own path. You're like, okay, I've listened to everybody now, and that's what. But you did really well. So whatever path you chose, you made it into a huge success. But you burnt out. Yes. Huge burnt out, wasn't it? I yeah. think I took it to another level mm. of success. That's exactly. You know, um, success is a good thing. And every, but what is success? I often speak about exactly. It. What is success? Success yeah. for people that you have made a six-figure income is that success, or success is something that I feel satisfied and I love what I do? Yes. And is it success just to have a cup of coffee with and how to have conversation? Yeah. You know that that's it's it's various. It's a whole spectrum of, of successes. Success, absolutely. And that's what I didn't understand at yeah. the time. You thought you could only see the status side of it because that's where you how you grew up, really. Yeah. yeah. So you can't really blame yourself for it, can you? No. But you did take it to a different level because yes. you didn't see your. Did you see your parents work really hard? Yes. They worked like yeah. you did. Okay, yeah. so that Particularly my father. Yeah, I think my mom. She's a graduate, mm-hmm. but I don't think um, she loved her luxuries. Not mm. that she didn't, but I don't think it was. She was not so driven. Mm-hmm. But my dad was always so driven. Now he's a very different personality. But when we when we grew up, he was really driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to. So the the house where they live in our house, the family house is. He was the architect. He even built the model himself. He built the house, um, and he he is self-made. Two hundred percent, he's self-made. Wow! And uh, so I grew up seeing it, and 
and then he left his job like um, at one point because of the war and then he established his own private practice so might be my entrepreneurial flair probably a bit of it yeah. comes from him as well mm, 100% but um, but but he always made it so i think because i grew up looking at it mm. for me i have to always make it you never saw failure though, did you yeah. then no okay so fear of failure was a huge thing okay and that's why you're thinking that you weren't enough yes i heard you say you left your daughter back home what does that mean and so how did you feel doing that so um asha is my daughter she is born here and um at one point when she was 6 months old we went for home, back home and the intention was to sponsor someone from sri lanka to look after herself as i was doing my exams mm. and you had your hands full yeah and um, but it didn't go through he couldn't do that and uh, at that time my in-laws uh, and my parents they decided it's probably the best thing to do is to leave her there rather than leave her with a child minder which is you know where she mm. can't talk to, even she can't express mm. if she wasn't treated well and i think it it is right and she so we dis- made the this is tough decision to leave her there for a year uh, but it also made me feel really guilty hi i was going to just ask you how did you feel i felt guilty because it's, it's one of the most difficult things to do isn't it yes i did feel very guilty that for doing it so you drop her and you you fly back on your own without her yeah. how long was she there for without her okay. so in that within that time i flew out, back and forth three times okay. but it was still not the same and did she recognize you when you get one back um she kind of recognized me but i don't think she she didn't want to come back when wow. we, so she started calling my she called papa my uh, dad the dad even now but she got so used to it and then children she, like, adapt to all on that yeah so for her she had to go through the change twice first she was used to us and then she had to shift and then she for from there then she had to shift back to yeah. us um but you know if i know what i know at that time probably i wouldn't have made that decision i was going to say so if you were looking back would you do that again no no I why would you not because i think stability is important at that age um yes probably she wouldn't have never received the love and care and affection but she yeah. received back home that is a given but i think she would have had that stability if she stayed here because end of the day she was still coming back home to her yeah, parents same thing she's seeing the same even though the mom and mom and dad are working long hours yeah. but she's still seeing the same routine yes okay interesting point of view and now i haven't asked one very important question here about the war i mean in your book that you've written you have explained so much in detail your close encounter with death um and your parents and your brother and everybody who went through it talk to us about that a little bit how did you survive that so how, how do you, you don't know next day you're going to be you know what's going to happen no. the next day was that unpredictable so in the beginning of the book i speak about being in the bubble i almost grew up no, not knowing there's a war because we always lived in different parts of sri lanka and we integrated well with all the communities and so i didn't even know there was a tension and then suddenly when i was around 9 i had the first close encounter to death because uh, someone was g- getting into a coach where we were traveling they wanted to kill all of us my god so, so you were, where were you going you you were with your mom so we my dad was at that time working somewhere else yeah. and um, so we yeah with my mom and my brother we were traveling back and that's when that back from seeing your dad yes you were coming home but i think it also taught an important lesson people who wanted to k- kill us and the pe- person who put their life on line to protect us were from the same community 
Yes, so what, tell us a little bit about the war. What is what war this is? Just for it's the between two different ethnicities. We speak okay, different it's, languages. It's a, it's a, the, the war is within the country, within the not country. outside. Okay, yeah. right. So uh, that, that was, is it, was there a name for this war? Um, they call different names, but um, I, don't, I don't really like to you know, brand it in any way. Okay. It was an internal, uh, in, in, you know, between two communities. Is it religious? Uh, no, it is between two languages and two communities. So it's Tamils and Sinhalese. Sinhalese uh, are the majority and minority is the Tamils. Okay. And so between the uh, two communities was a problem. Gosh, that's scary when things are happening within your own country where you should be feeling safe, shouldn't you? Yes, it is. So this coach, it gets stopped, doesn't it, because there's danger ahead. Yes. What did you do? And um, just my mum said, just pretend to be sleeping. Okay. That's all. So we pretend to sleep. Yeah. And we could walk really obviously hear people, people walking, walking up and down in this coach. And how, how big is this coach? How many people? It's just uh, maybe 40, 50 people. Okay. And then, but the, we never spoke about it much at all later. Never. Yeah. Until I wrote my book, I don't think in my family ever spoke about it much at all, except for that day when we reached back home. But what's interesting is how much of it I could really remember yeah so obviously in my brain you were nine year old yeah it's courses because it's an event isn't it yeah. do you think it might have affected you in some way were you scared after that probably i was and I, all i can say is i never recognized yeah. it. because you said you explained very well in the book about your heartbeat and you you yeah. really and your mom's like yeah. shh, shh, make sure you're really quiet and your yeah. brother you're just trying to really be silent because yeah. you don't know what the next step yeah. is yeah and then as the coach goes yeah. you take a, a big breath of mm. relief and then uh, the next big thing for me personally, although I saw death, suffering, and loss all around me all the time, uh, around 20 plus when I was in the university, I left uh, to come I home remember that, and yes. the coach got stopped and I had to walk through the jungle for 10 days. I know, my God, that's just, on that alone you can make a documentary. So talk, tell us about this, because I'm so interested in walking through a jungle with complete strangers, didn't know who they were, no food, you ran out of the food, didn't you? There was nothing left yet. What happened? So it was a, we had a sandwich for the because it was six hours supposed yeah. to be six hours journey and a water bottle. Yeah. And um, got down and we had a choice to make whether to go back or go forward. I guess in that age you are. I don't know. A bit risk taker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know whether I was strong and resilient or I was foolhardy. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> have no clue. But you think, you know. Either you way, you made a decision yeah. to go. Oh, yeah, but you yeah. never think like no. that. So I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was like, so we went and then obviously as you walk, you know, you get to know. It's did not as easy as it is. Did everybody do exactly what you did or some so people no. went? It was only 10 of us or okay. 10, 12 of us decided to move on and I really don't know what happened to other people. Okay. Um, so, and then then we did spot other people here and there. Like So I'm like, okay, fine, we are not the only people in this jungle. And the strangest thing is at that point, I didn't even think there are serpents, there are animals, there are, you know, you don't think. Yes, what so kind of jungle is this? I mean, it is dense jungle. And if anyone knows Sri Lanka, they know that we have a lot of dense jungles. So With animals? Mm. I, I must be yeah. animals. Did you um, so encounter any? No. no. But that's the first time ever I walked through the jungle, so I had no, no idea what I was getting into. And then obviously it was, you know, too hot and tiring and... Uh, but I think because the fear of life is there, mm. you just kind of overlook everything else. Yes, of and course. then obviously the survival mechanisms kicked in. After a few days, the worst hap the nightmare happened, and one of the ladies got injured and then lost her life. Wow! Is that because the war? Yes, fighting. Okay, yeah. and 
and you guys had to hide from this firing that was going yeah, on. So yeah, so we were like, yeah, because we would walk in the night and oh, uh, take rest at, in the daytime, right? So that we can almost, you know, camouflage ourselves, you know, because it's night and nobody yeah, would know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, the strategy didn't work yeah. um, on that particular day for whatever reason, and it was. <coughs> people talk about the being guilty of surviving mm -hmm. and um, so I came home um, obviously I spoke about it a, a bit I think the you know the lady was affected or whatever but it's again I never spoke about it again I had two relationships um, my daughter was 14 15 I think by the time first time I ever spoke about it so for 25 years I never spoke about it do you think um, because you decided to shut it down and thought that's the past and I'm not going to talk about this is is, is there a coping mechanism? Yes. Yeah. I think for me to move on with life, yeah. I had to shut I, that door. I relate to that very much. So yeah, it, it's it's easier, isn't it, that way? Yeah. You think it's easier. Yeah. But you don't uh, Because know it manifests in a way, it, which obviously we, si we saw. So this la lady that got injured, you tried to help her, didn't you? Yes, you tried to save her. I did. And you end up with all bloody clothes, yeah, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. I think everyone, anyone in everyone that situation trying would. To help. Anyone. How's it, uh, how does it feel to see someone die almost in your arms? It's painful. That's painful and you feel guilty. And in a way you feel a bit responsible for it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, um, sometimes I think somewhere then you had to learn that you know, that was their journey, mm. and this is mine. And the only thing I can do is to speak about it. Mm -hmm. um, because the way I, now I think I'm respecting that person and everybody else, is by speaking about it, writing about it, mm. and um, making pe more people <coughs> aware of what really happened. Mm. A lot of people don't speak about this, don't they? Like you no. said, you also shut it out. Yes. So do you think the reason you're speaking about it is because you're now in personal development and you're teaching other women resilience and how to use their resilience? So yes, um, for me, um, the first transformation comes from, I think, I think I talk about transformation with resilience or transform with resilience. So first thing comes about knowing yourself, understanding yourself, accepting yourself. And that also comes from letting go of your past. Mm. But only if you face the past mm. and accept what happened and agree uh, in yourself that, yes, it all happened to you for the best. If you learned and you get, you take what ha was good and you take the rest as a learning you and think let go. Then are you saying that, vict so you stop feeling a victim? Yes. Is that what you're trying to yes. say? Okay. So in my system, I tell emerge, evolve, and elevate. And in that emerge from being a victim, evolve as a survivor, and then elevate as a successful person. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like that. So you know, I think it is a journey everyone goes through, uh, particularly if you have a setback. And not many people will ever say that we never had a setback. Yeah, in our I lives. think everyone has a story of their own and how it affected them. Yeah. So we all have a story within ourselves. That's what when pe I, when people tell me, oh, you know, your story. I said, but we all have a story. Yeah. In us. I know. Uh, it, the different story to a you know the setback might be to a different mm. extent to what what happened, but we all have experiences different, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So I think that's why I I believe that system works for everyone, mm. regardless where you are, because mm -hmm. you, when you have sit setback, that's a good strategy to go through and accept and you mm -hmm. know move on with life. 
So what would you say to women that are listening to this that may have similar background to yourself, even from back from Sri Lanka, maybe gone through the same thing? What would you say to them? How would they come out of, maybe perhaps they're still in that victim mode? What steps did you take to actually come out of that? For me, as I said, first thing was to recognize where I was, how I was, and understand there's a problem. Mm. Is, that, is that when you had your, you mentioned you had some time off? Yes. You were, because you're so busy, how would you recognize all of this? Yeah. So I was totally burned out and totally, it was frustrated. I was signed off from work for a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. That's when I started going through this personal development journey and um, learned, okay, I, I was in this cocoon. I didn't even know there was NLP or hypnosis because I was like going for more and more similar courses, meeting the similar people, I didn't know. Um, so or to do with dentistry, that was, yeah. yeah. So that was the awakening <laughs> on its own mm. to know even like, and then I fell in love with it. And because um, I met people whom I really could connect uh, at a deeper level. And what was, was the first thing that you attended that made you think? Just uh, Andy Harrington's Power to Achieve. Okay. So I s- sat next to Mihail, who is an NLP trainer, and he said, I said, what do you do? He said, NLP trainer. I said, I'm really sorry for being ignorant. What is What is NLP? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was that person. And then and there was another lady called Vivian. She's also from Ireland. And um, I told her I will never be probably a renowned speaker because I have a strong accent and I didn't study in English. That my, my, my not good enough story just came mm. out. And she said, it's so good, you're gifted. I said, wow, is it gifted to be in that position? And then she said to me, yeah, because you have a signature voice. And you know, exactly. nobody will ever get you wrong. And they know it's you when yeah. you talk. And that is a gift. And I think that changed the whole perception. perspective. Perspective, isn't it, really? How you see yourself and then how yeah. other people see you. So that was your first little insight to self-development. So you're off sick, you go to this course. What do you do after that? So I then went down to, because I fell in love, as I said, with the personal development journey. I wanted to know about myself. I wanted to heal myself. Um, mm. And uh, I have been to psychotherapists. I have had proper treatment. Okay. I went for counseling. I also went to, to do the NLP for myself and had timeline therapy done on me. And then I liked it. So I went and got trained as an NLP uh, trainer. Then I went and did hypnosis. And then I went and did a leadership course with uh, Cambridge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I already had an education uh, certificate. So I was like, you know, then I started helping people. Uh, it was never meant to be leaving dentistry and no, going for it. No, you never planned this, yeah, did you? Yeah. Uh, but I think as even as between friends, people would always come with mm. to me with their problems. Yeah. So I, I was like the problem. Uh, so in the background, <laughs> you were already doing this. Okay. So I think it was me, and which I didn't Agni really aunt. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was really strange. One of my friend was telling two days back, you should um, speak about how you know everybody's deepest, darkest secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, okay. uh, so I, but I think when I could see that it really helped others, and mm. people started telling, oh, you know, it's such an inspiration. We really kind of feel, uh, you know, you should... Help everybody else yeah. speak more. And obviously, I started speaking a tiny bit here and there. Yeah. And it kind of changed. And I just, at one point, someone who is very close to me really said, Oh, you know, you have a strong accent. Your English is not good enough. You Ooh. never make it. Wow. And I owned it for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I just thought, I think what made the difference for me really is 
I just at one point something switched in me and I just thought what I have to say is more important than how I say it. Well, awesome. That's such a imp- really good thing to say. Amazing. So, so that people can people uh, uh, especially close people can also bring you down because they might not have um, because they always worry about you. And that worry manifests in this way. Don't do this. Don't leave your dentistry. It's all safe. It's all this. You can't speak because your accent is this. You know, there's so many things that you could listen to. I think their inadequacies, their fears, mm. um, uh, their, their world, they try to pass it on to people around mm. them. That's what happens. And it sometimes it's, it doesn't fit in their world. Mm. And it's not comfortable for them. And uh, instead of saying it's not comfortable for them, they open, say it to the person. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And once you know this, you can then become more self-sufficient, self-regulated. So in future, when you get comments like this, it, it might not be comments like this. It could be something different, but the feeling is the same, isn't yes. it? Of inadequacy. Mm-hmm. You can then actually say, the problem is yours. Yeah, you take it back, isn't it? But not many people can do this. Do you think you've become this person resilient to com- comments like this after learning the NLP and after being with people that are more uh, around self-development? Of course. Um, I think I love the community of... Uh, Self-development yeah. people because they like-minded. Yes, yeah. they but that I think they know themselves. They try really hard to understand the other person as yeah. well. And because they're so happy and content within themselves, they are so happy to accept people, however they are. Yeah, rather than changing them yes. or putting things on them. Yeah, and they're always happy to support each other mm-hmm. and you know make them grow. And I, that's why I think I thrive in that kind of community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also, like, when I r- was writing the pro- uh, book and somebody did tell me, oh, your English probably is not good, you'll struggle to finish this book. And I just continued with it. I didn't own it, whereas before I would have. Mm. Because now when I, I, my quote is normally when I say to people, if they think, if what they perceive about me is not my problem, it is not their problem, and let them be. And I think I wrote a quote as well recently about it because... It's really important. Mm. Let it be their problem. Mm. Don't t- make it your problem. 100%. And it's so important to remind yourself of this because you could really get sucked into this. Of course. Because the other side of this is that you could have stopped all of this. The other side of this is that you could have just cut this journey in half, gone back to dentistry, but have burnt out again because that's not what you really want to do. Although you liked it, you know, yeah. but that's not where you're... Uh, you find not final path but the rest of your life you want to be doing this helping other women so I loved dentistry mm. I loved being with my patients I really enjoyed the time I did what I did um, but it is also more and more recognizable recently but it is also very high pressured environment mm. uh, it's um, quite a high uh, mental health issues are there uh, stress burnout is there um, and I think people are starting to speak about it a bit more now and uh, I think it is also should be recognized um, and that's uh, another reason uh, one of my systems I created is it's called smile serenity system is that for particularly for dentists for yeah. uh, professionals, professionals really. yeah, it okay. is for people who have been burnt out yeah. um, you know stress related illness depression anything like so I always say I'm not a trained medical person or professional but I think when you go through it, you kind of recognize those yeah, you've walked the path. Better. So this is how you've walked the path, and they, you can hold the light for these guys sure. to come through now. Amazing. So where can people find you, and tell us about your up-and-coming workshops? So I'm doing one workshop on the 3rd. Mm-hmm. Um, March. I've been asked to train 
at another platform okay. for High Profile Club. Okay. And then 7th of March, I'm uh, doing a workshop myself with another friend uh, who is a personal stylist. It's called Be Transformed okay. in Cairo. Uh, it's a half a day workshop. And uh, another friend of ours, he's also taking photographs and happy to take some um, headshots for them on that day. And I also do uh, coaching. Okay. Uh, so I have my own system coaching packages. They can see, go and see it on my website. And tell us your website. www.menaka.co.uk Oh, it's very simple and straightforward. And your book, how can people, what's the name of your book and how can they find it? So it's Resilience Learned mm -hmm. and it's on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Or they can contact me if they want to get it. Um, uh, it's available. I'm happy to send you the link, mm -hmm. and you probably oh, have the link. Yeah, yeah, and I have. Yeah. And if somebody wants to just talk to you privately because they've heard this, how should they contact you? So they can uh, through my website. Okay. They can send me an email. Okay. And or if they want to send it straight, it's menaka at menaka.co.uk. Perfect. And did you mention you have a Facebook group? Yes, I do. Okay. And this is a private group. Yes. Okay. So it is menaka. Then it's transform with resilience. Okay. And then if it's a woman, it is. Women Empowering Global Women. Oh, wow. Is that your Facebook yes. group? Okay. And they can just join that group? Yeah, there are 600 women in that group. Okay. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Now, what's your biggest fear? I ask, this, I ask everyone this question. What's your biggest fear? The biggest fear because I have such a big dream. Uh, I want to be creating impact as big as I can. How big? Have you got a number? I want to be a... Uh, 100,000. 100,000? Yes, I have never said that uh, loud oh, before. Now you've said it. Now you've said it. You know what you're like. If you say something, you make it happen, don't you? Yeah. Yes. And uh, so I want to become an international renowned speaker. Mm -hmm. I want to be this person who people think, if I go to her, she will definitely make a change, mm -hmm. make a difference in my life. Yeah. I want to be that person. And my dream, which I have ever, hardly ever spoken loudly, is to if possible to collaborate with someone and build a really good hospital back home where oh, wow. I come from. Okay, and what's the, what's the reason behind that? Why hospital? So we do have a uh, government hospital, we do have a couple of private hospitals, but uh, my mum fractured her wrist a mm -hmm. few years back and I felt we could have a better system there. And um, you know, infection control, health and safety, all this you know we pick mm -hmm. up from mm -hmm. here. And um, you know, Imran Khan uh, has a hospital in Pakistan, mm -hmm. and his model is um, sixty percent. Or I don't know exactly the percentage is private, mm -hmm. so for the privilege. Mm -hmm. But also, there's a uh, percentage of the hospital is subsidized, like the NHS system, mm -hmm. and that is my dream to do something like Amazing. that. Amazing. Okay. Okay, and you want to collaborate with someone who can do it, I yeah. guess because yeah. of your medical background as well and your, yes. your father was in yeah. it as well. Because to be honest, I think that was the first intention where mm. the book was written because I thought if I just, if I'm me, nobody would even even consider. Mm -hmm. So I need to like do something for me, people to know me and you know that was part of the intention of writing. What would you call the hospital? Would it be Menaka? Uh, no, it no. is Kaliyai. Kaliyai is um, a goddess in Hinduism okay and it is in that particular city it's quite like well um, followed by everyone and in India uh, in Sri Lanka, in Sri Lanka yeah. because it's a small town I come okay. from and um, that's because I think it's then it's belonging it's for both the communities uh, believe in that goddess so uh, that's a reason and also I already have a 
picture on my vision board what kind of hospital I want oh, to Oh, wow. Be. Okay. So you're ready to go then, really? Yeah. Yes. It's a long way to go. Yeah. It's a 10-year plan, I guess. It's a 10-year plan. <laughs> well, that's just fine. So you can have a 10-year plan. You have a 20-year plan. Yes. What would you say, one, your last message to women that are listening to this and wanting to make a difference, but they're stuck? You are enough. You only have to listen to your soul. Uh, do meditation, mindfulness, personal development, really doesn't matter what you want to do. Get a coach, you know, get a therapist. But just be three things. Have clarity. Have a purpose. Be, have a very clear purpose, what you really want mm. to achieve. And then make sure you take action. If you do these things. So clarity, purpose, and uh, action. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I hope, ladies, you're listening to this. And I think that's very clear. I think when you're clear about your goal, then you have a purpose, and then you just need to take action. Because without action, yes. there is no result, is there? So you can do as many courses as you want. You can go visit, learn, whatever in the world. But unless you're going to make take that first action, you're not quite going to. And you start small, don't you? Tiny. Yes, of course. Literally Tiny one step. to one first, and then one to two, and one to three. Tiny and that's step totally fine. Time. Yeah. It's okay. Absolutely. Um, and and. Uh, and never think it's easy. It is no. not easy. No. I had to incubate for many, many months yeah. without doing, you know, I had to just work on myself, yeah. create my courses, uh, learn more and more. It's okay. Mm. Don't think, if you're thinking instant success, mm. unfortunately, I can tell you it's not going to happen. That's not, that's not, coaching is not about this, is it at all? It, it takes a anything, small really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you, but there's a joy mm-hmm. in doing this job, isn't it, what you're doing? It's not even called a job, is it, it really? It's tip of the iceberg, isn't yes. it? I wrote something about it once, yeah. because you know people always see the success. They don't see the What's hard work and the heartaches which has gone behind it. And the blood, sweat and tears that actually goes in it every single day. How many hours do you work each day, would you say? <laughs> don't ask this question. I'm, I'm almost a workaholic, I think. At least eight to 10 hours yeah. minimum. Okay. But I probably more than that. And you take a break? I do. You do take yeah, a break. Now, because is this because you've learned about the burnout? You know, yes, it happened to you once. I have. And I think I do journaling and I write uh, about so what I'm gra- grateful for. So attitude of gratitude. Gratitude is quite important um, for yeah, you. Three okay. things in the morning, three things in the evening. I also write how I have been helpful to someone else who has helped me. Oh, that's a really good idea, actually. And I write the night before what I want to do the next day. It okay. might not go to the plan, but at least you have a plan. Yeah. And you do that most days. Yeah. yeah. And then um, your daughter. You've got to stop just to spend time with her, yes? Yes, I do. But I think she's at the age, she's, um, you know, um, she... Quite self-sufficient. Yeah. She's self-sufficient. She has her own friend circle. Yeah. She loves to go out with them. Yeah. And she's a good kid overall. <laughs> so what kind of relationship do you have? Like any other mother-daughter relationship, I think sometimes it's very rosy. It's uh, lovely. Perfect, and yeah. Loving. And then sometimes, uh, you know, we're in that zone. We need some space from each other. <laughs> Please keep away from me. <laughs> but, you know, it's all good. You mentioned a really good point, actually, uh, when we were sat outside about not feeling guilty anymore. That's a really important point for mothers. Tell us about that. You st- and I love the example that you gave because she called you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said, this is not my guilt. You know, how did you... Cause we f- in the minute we become parent, we sure. start feeling guilty for everything, yeah. for going to work, for leaving them for five minutes, for not breastfeeding them, for not giving them organic food. It just continues. It's such a mindful. Mm. How did you how did you overcome that? Because that to overcome that is a pretty big skill as a mother. I think not even as a mother. We are trained from as childhood. Mm. You know, we are given um, 
incentives for being in certain way, doing mm. in certain way, or you're made feeling guilty if you uh, don't. by the parents, mm. by your family, by teachers for not being in a certain mm. way. So it you know cultivates from there, and then you become a ma- mother. You also feel responsible for someone else, and and I think the guilt kind of comes manifold. Mm. What I've learned is, when people try to make you feel guilty, there are two things. One, either they're trying to manipulate you for what they want, or people who love you and are, who are really close to you are doing it unintentionally. They're trying to care for you, but it's coming across yeah. like that, yeah. So, for example, <laughs> you know, my daughter, like, uh, oh, you know, I want it now, yeah. something done now, and why can't you do it? Yeah. And I'm not happy about it. Yeah. Um, it's this worth, is her saying. Yeah. yeah so okay. it's worth asking the question, what do you really want? Yeah. Because usually, underneath it all, it's like, for example, people are saying to you, um, why are you should have spent some more time with you? Why are you not doing? Yeah. So, but the way they say it is, you feel guilty. Mm. So it's, but if you peel all those layer back, they are, what they're really telling you is they just want some quality time. Right. But they don't know how to say it. No. So, so all you need to say, Mum, is it okay if you shut your computer down and can we just watch a Netflix film? Yeah, sure, exactly. <laughs> and then I also said, okay, I know I understand you are unhappy. But please don't pass that unhappiness to me. So why don't you take some time off and then come back to me when you're happy. And then we can resolve this because we, I have to ha- learn that the really hard way. Two unhappy people can never resolve anything properly. So it's better to just take that time. One of them you have to take the time off, yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, reflect on it. And does she, then, re- so. she respond to that well? Yes, I yeah. think it's work in progress. Yeah, it always is. is Work in progress. Um, I'm not saying I'm perfect either. Sometimes Mm. I lose it as well. So it is, but it's a constant uh, ongoing thing with everyone in Mm. under every situation. But I think it's, I used to feel guilty all the time, but now I don't Mm. as much as I can. Great. Gross self-care, isn't it? Beautiful to to hear that really. So I'm just also learning to tell people, what do you really want? Maybe I can help if you tell me really what you want. Yes. So and get down. So yeah. is it, as a coach, you re- your job really is to get those layers off, like yeah. you said, peel the onion down yeah. to the core. And yeah. your children teach you a lot. So I would ask my daughter sometimes, can you do that? And I get upset sometimes when she doesn't do it. And one day she told Terrana said to me, but you asked me, can you do it? Which means you should be prepared to take an answer, no. Or if you don't want to give an option, then say, do it. Please do it. Uh, so there's a difference. Great uh, insight there, isn't it, really? Yeah. And we, we say it because we don't want to ask, but we want them to do it. Yeah. I think <laughs> well, it's a bit so messy. We're sitting on a bit, bit messy, absolutely. We're sitting on the fence there, really. Yeah, we, do, we do the same thing yeah. in our relationships, mm. and we do the same thing with when our really, children. really, we just want to say a clear line, but we need to say in a way that doesn't really, in, in, a, in a polite manner. Yeah. But that's a skill, isn't yeah. it? To get yeah. the other person to understand your point of view in a polite manner. And also show your vulnerability. Tell, yeah, yeah, I'm really struggling yeah. with it. Yeah. I'm really tired. Yeah. Can you please do it for yeah. me? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I think if somebody said it like that, I can't say no. Because yeah. I've just seen your face. I'm like, oh my God, of course I can. You know. <laughs> but, but if you say, could you do this for me? Yes or no? I'm like, no, why can't you do it yourself? Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly, exactly that. Perfect. So that's a uh, uh, children teach you a lot. Yeah, and I think it's yeah. like Brene Brown is into strength in yes. vulnerability. Yes, and yes, yes. And it took a few, quite a few years for me to learn it, but mm. yeah, it is powerful. Who do you listen to on podcast? I le- listen to Brene Brown. Okay. I listen to Mel Robbins. Yeah. Oh, I love Mel Robbins. And I listen yeah. to Oprah's Super Soul Sun. Oh, I love that too. And uh, because I relate to her difficulties and yeah. how she has evolved and yeah. what she has come through, and. Um, 
I listen to a, lots of people, Dr. Joe Defensor. Okay. And I listen to a lot Many of Many different things. Is, is that... Uh, you, you always learn. Yeah. What book different. are you reading at the moment? It is... Um, I read one thing before this. Yeah. Now it's Miracle Morning. Miracle. Oh, my God. That's on my list to get. So, you know, I have Audible. And, you know, you put your wish list in it. That Miracle Morning is on there. And v- women's, it, uh, women are from Venus... Men are, Ma- um, men are from Mars. Mars men are, that's it. That's my next one because just to understand our relationship and understand yes. the other side. I did read it. You read before, it? Yeah. But uh, I think I have to um, reread it. Okay, I'm sure it's another layer I will understand. And being a night owl and being the late person, I think that's why I'm reading The Miracle Morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you t- so you stay up quite late uh, yeah, and then I'm, wake up. It's very interesting. Anything strategic yeah. and anything what I have to do, it works in the morning. I'm okay with it. But yeah. if anything is creative, but my book, most of my book was written till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. And then I would sleep. Wow. Because that's when uh, that was, that's when the first 3,000 words uh, got written. And I, I have understood that I'm much more creative in the evening. Okay. So you know yourself. And so yeah. you do that accordingly if you write are you going to write another book yes are you yes. okay has okay. it started already um, not really but I'm, I think I'm planting seeds right now and in your own self I think it would be about my coaching systems okay. and now because I think many people go the other way around yeah. but I've spoken about my story first yeah. and um, um, someone has already asked me to collaborate to launch a journal because I speak about journey all the time. And oh, to so launch a journal. Yeah. Fantastic. So that, that's something that's coming up in the background. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I think you've given us so much insight and things to think about that I think we're def- definitely going to cherish this for a long time from a person who survived the wars to survived another country that's India and the language and not feeling so great about themselves because they didn't fit in and then survived this country and coming here surviving that culture you're sitting here smiling looking beautiful you have survived it all really haven't you and now you're teaching other people how to actually do the same amazing thank you so much for coming I'm sure you're going to be back on this podcast again with your second book who knows <laughs> thank you thank you so thank much you. for having me you are most welcome enjoyed this podcast please consider giving us a five-star review thank you so much